Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb. Thanks for joining us for the Now You Know Akron podcast. I'm your host, Craig Webb. In today's podcast, we're going back to school. Yes, it's that time of year again. It's time for back-to-school sales and the like. But first, we're going to have a chat with Akron's new school superintendent, who's been on the job for about a month, and will also be joined by our education reporter. But first, here's three things you should know from recent headlines from BeaconJournal.com. Education has certainly been on the topic of many of our reporters, including Tawny Beans, who offers some back-to-school tips. As we know, it's time to shop for those special supplies, and the ads are already showing what's on sale. But some tips you need to know, especially how to avoid paying sales tax on some of those items. Our other reporter teams have also been looking at which school districts are going to require masks when you return. Jennifer Pinellay, our education reporter, reported that Akron Public Schools has decided whether you're vaccinated or not, you will have to wear a mask coming this school year. Reporter Chris Tacano took a look at the announcement much to the surprise of many residents and families alike, that the Soul Glen Nursing Home will be closing. That means some 200 residents there have to find alternative housing. She took a look at what options are out there and also spoke to some families about what they're going to do with their loved ones. When COVID-19 shut down many area theater groups, you kind of wondered what those theatrical folks were doing. Well, it turns out they were deciding to settle down. Our reporter, Carrie Clausen, had a fascinating look at some local theater people who ended up starting families. BeaconJournal.com and all of our apps always feature updated headlines and subscriber-exclusive content you can't find anywhere else. It's back to school time, well, almost, because I have done absolutely nothing to prepare for two of my younger children to uh, buy anything for them, so maybe we have a broken pencil under the couch that they could take. <laughs> so, fittingly, we're joined by Christine Fowler-Mack, who is just starting her second month as the Akron Public Schools Superintendent. She's the first woman and first black woman to hold a job, and she's an Akron graduate herself. She's from East High. She comes to Akron from Cleveland Schools, where she helped oversee the Cleveland plan to transform high schools similarly the way you see Akron has implemented the college and career academies. We are also joined by our education reporter, and I might add, the person who helped write that intro, um, our resident expert, Jennifer Penelay. <laughs> so I will welcome both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm going to start off because I know once Jennifer starts, she'll be off to the races, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because she's definitely smarter <laughs> in the subject matter than me, although I, I did graduate with a high school education myself, so I don't know. So I, I guess, Christine, I'm just curious, and maybe we'll, we'll we'll start at the very beginning, and not the very beginning when you were born, but, <laughs> but I'm just kind of curious if you could think back to the high school version of yourself, just graduated. What, what made you get into education? And, and I guess... I cannot imagine that, that 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 version of you ever thought about mask or remote learning or you know we're probably a little bit more idealistic but but let's talk a little bit about your 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 beginnings and what made you get into this field. Absolutely. Um, when I think back to my high school self, um, I, I was very fortunate. So I was fortunate to have uh, been educated in the Akron public school systems, and so I left school feeling. Um, 
you know, valued as a learner, uh, feeling very confident and having had a range of really uh, positive experiences. So school was a very happy place and a place where I found a great deal of success. So that really greatly influenced then my career choices. So it seemed natural that I would uh, go into the education field um, because of those experiences and because it was a part of my home foundation. My father actually was a was an educator by trade uh, initially before going into the ministry. So what was your particular expertise? So I, I can't say necessarily gradu- upon graduating I had expertise, but uh, through being educated uh, right here in the city of Akron uh, at Akron University, I ended up graduating with a degree in elementary education. So I started off as a classroom teacher and did my student teaching on the east side of Akron and actually was fortunate to get hired into that community at Robinson. So I started off as a um, uh, sixth grade teacher, I believe, uh, coming right out of school. So my initial experiences in the educational field uh, were in the elementary area for instruction. And then as I uh, navigated along, I was fortunate enough to be able to explore one of my other loves uh, in student uh, activities. And so I became a coach here in the Akron system as well. And so I was able to coach at Akron Bookville High School, the girls basketball program. Christine, I thought it was funny when you were on your tour of, uh, I believe it was Ella, and you went into the gym and you were just blown away about what the gym looks like today. I think you said it didn't look like this when I played here. No, absolutely. And back in those days, uh, we, the girls didn't always play in the same gym. Uh, that the boys played in. So we usually, there was a practice gym, uh, must, mo- uh, excuse me, much of the older buildings had the two facility areas. And so we never got to see the big floor in that way. So the new facilities, the community learning um, centers are incredible. And to just know that all of our students have the opportunity to take advantage of them today is something I'm very proud of. Uh, for for our students and for the citizens of our city. You know, as someone who is Akron-born and, uh, you know, an Akron Public Schools graduate, um, you know, as, as Craig mentioned so eloquently in the intro that I wrote for him, you know, you are the first black woman to lead this school district. You talked about it a little bit through your interview process, but what, what does that mean to you? And also, what do you, what what is the significance that you think that can hold for young black women in the district looking up and seeing you at the top? I do not take lightly this appointment and this opportunity to serve. Um, So I I am highly conscious of the fact that I am the first uh, in that regard. And I, I think it does hold significance. It holds the significance, I think, of our um, school system really um, realizing its its full vision, the vision that all students um, may become, they can realize their dreams. And so uh, for me, this is full circle. Uh, it's full circle in that I had 
uh, some seeds planted early on. So part of what I talked about uh, during the interview process was having a principal. Uh, when I was a young child at Barber Elementary School, uh, Abby E. Willisey, uh, who was the first, I believe, African-American female principal in the city of Akron. And how fortunate was I to have you know, been influenced by her leadership and her example, which planted a seed in my life. And so I'm very conscious of the fact of how those seeds can uh, be planted for our students and what it might mean at the end of the day. So I'm the first. I hope not to be the last. I hope that many other students are seeing themselves uh, in this appointment, both girls and boys, to know that we lived in a just, fair, um, you know, community that provides opportunity for everyone. Yeah, that's something you talked about in your interview process, too. Um, and also, I think something that you heard as feedback from the community. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the, the inequities that people mentioned to you or concerns that they had? You know, people from different neighborhoods about, you know, looking at one school and seeing an opportunity there and maybe not seeing it at, at their school as well. Right. And so um, because it's not just the appointment alone that is going to make the difference. It is making sure that the preparation, that the opportunities that build confidence and provide experience for students are uh, provided in an equitable way. And when talking to parents and community persons, there there were um, the stories and examples of um, you know, even the facilities themselves, as beautiful as they are, uh, ensuring that all of the different offerings in one facility on one side of town is available in another community, making sure that there is equity in the course offerings. You know, if we're going to have leaders of the future prepared and ready, um, all of our buildings need to have internship opportunities, uh, opportunities to experience uh, career exploration, things of that nature. So um, clubs and activities, athletic fields. So there, there is just a range of ways in which uh, the community really was encouraging um, during my tenure. Um, and as, as we look to our vision of Akron in the future, that we think about um, equity very broadly uh, within this moment in time. Yeah, you know, you're coming into this district at a pretty pivotal time, right? There, you've just, we've just had the same leader now for 13 years who oversaw, you know, a massive transformation, you know, particularly at the high school level, um, but that is also now trickling down to the middle and elementary level. What do you pull from, you know, your time in Cleveland and your time overseeing high school transformation work here? How do you compare that sort of with what we're doing here? In Akron, how far along in this process do you see Akron being um, as it relates to, um, you know, preparing students for for their life after high school, whether that is, you know, a job immediately or going off to college or enlisting in the military? Absolutely. Whenever I have the opportunity, um, I always uh, speak um, with with great. Uh, admiration for Dr. James and the leadership team, their accomplishments here in launching um, the concept of the College and Career Academies and getting um, 
partners uh, really excited and engaged uh, in, in this work to ensure that there are a range of opportunities um, available for our students. So when I assess it against uh, my experiences in Cleveland, which were very similar because we two there were trying to ensure in a uh, in a career way, so a pre-K through 16 way, that there was a thoughtful set of experiences and opportunities, including a very rich, personalized uh, learning opportunity for each of our students. Um, and that takes, then, the resources of a city. So um, when I think about the work here, I would say that we have done the important groundwork uh, pieces of that. Again, we've launched the concepts. We've defined our graduate to say, here's what we want um, each of our students to be. We have launched a commitment. Um, we've, we've talked about our values and a commitment that our students graduate both career and college ready. So not trying to predetermine one over another, but they've had ample experiences in both. We also have galvanized uh, the, the city. We've galvanized the partners to say um, we hold some uh, expertise in this work and some levels of opportunity, but you make it even more complete. So to be sure that we're partnering with uh, the different career and business and industry and also higher education and other education organizations becomes critical. So I'd say all of those foundation things uh, we, we've done well. The next level of work is now breathing life into that, you know, really thinking uh, what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis, doing more capacity building with our teachers, with our students themselves, because this is requiring a different role for students, you know, less of passive engagement and more of active engagement in the educational process. And then our families, really figuring out where our families are, uh, within um, the process of supporting their children and making sure that they have both capacity and opportunities to grow as well. So this is also about growing our families along with us. Well, speaking of pivotal times for you to be entering this job, uh, you, you mentioned last week that at the school board meeting you were sort of expecting or maybe just hoping, fingers crossed, to come in and be able to plan for a fairly normal school year in that, you know, COVID protocol-wise, and that that sort of quickly went out the window. Um, can you just talk about kind of what you have seen in the last month, um, you know, that led you, you, you announced last week a mask mandate for anyone inside school buildings. Um, you know, Akron has, to this point, taken a very cautious approach um, along with COVID, um, you know, and, and its approach to it being remote almost all of last year. Um, can, you, can you talk about the decision to sort of continue with that level of caution um, and just, you know, anything else you can tell us about, you know, what, what is fall going to look like in schools? If I'm a parent making the decision to send my kid to school this fall, maybe for the first time in preschool or kindergarten, you know, what should, what do you want to tell them? What should they expect? Yes. And so I, I think it's the right thing for us uh, to really take a cautious approach in our planning. And so what we've done is really to proactively think about um, if we are faced with um, a variety of scenarios, are we ready 
to provide a high quality of learning and teaching um, for for our students, our families, and then in support of our staff. So that's a lot of what we've been doing is all of our proactive planning. Some of those plans probably will never have to be implemented, but we want to be ready nonetheless. One In one way that we are planning to start the year in a more cautious mode is, you know, asking our students and staff, um, as we know it today, to wear, wear masks. Um, because the as we're watching the health data um, in our city, uh, in our county, we do see that the health data has been uh, ticking up with the numbers of persons who are experiencing the COVID variant. Um, we know that the health arena is not our area of expertise. So when we're making decisions like that, we're doing so in collaboration with others. So we're working with the Centers for Disease Control. We're working with Akron Children's Hospital, the Summit County Public Health, uh, our own Ohio Health Department, and others. And um, so what influenced us to make that decision was uh, some recent guidance about masking and that for this moment in time, it seemed to be uh, suggested that we be more cautious than not. But with that set aside, what families should expect is um, really excited teachers, uh, you know, interested in welcoming uh, their um, their children back, our learners back into our schools. Uh, we do know that in-person learning is where we want all of our uh, students to be. So we're looking forward to uh, really providing um, masking aside and uh, a, a very new normal like of atmosphere, a personalized approach to teaching and learning. We want to understand where students are, uh, how the we want to understand how uh, last year impacted them. For some of our students, they were able to keep keep up with their learning progression. For others, they may have lost some ground in some areas, uh, and we want to be able to understand that and then to accelerate them so that they are right back on track. So um, for parents, we hope that they're hopeful. We hope that they're uh, getting their learners ready uh, to join us again here in school. We are definitely getting ready to make this an exciting year, um, exciting year for all involved. Christina, I, I, just today I was driving and I, the van in front of me had a, a beautiful heart on it and it said, no mask for students 2021. And I, I guess I'm just curious, is there room for dialogue? I mean, I, I guess it kind of puts you in a weird position that you're, would it be easier if someone made the decision for you? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I understand school rights and, and school, but I mean, in some way, just kind of wish that maybe this was a mandate that you didn't have to make, that, that maybe this further, just one more headache, I don't want to say headache, but, but just putting it on, you said this isn't your area of expertise, but, but yet the way the system's set up, it, it is your decision. And, and it just seems to be easier if it was a broader decision that we don't have a copy that maybe doesn't that you do. And, and I'm just kind of curious, you know, and even with dialogue with parents, I mean, is there room for dialogue or is it just such an emotionally charged issue that, you know, there's a lot of shouting in the room. Right. Well, and I think part of it is, so yes, uh, to answer your first question, um, I, I would love not to have to make this decision and not to have to have this be our reality, but it is. And so we, we right now are in um, still a state in which 
making sure our students are safe uh, and healthy first, uh, not only our students, but our staff, well, where it matters. And so towards that end, I don't think it's just about dialoguing. This isn't more of a philosophical approach. It's really following, you know, what the science says, what our medical community is advising. Because for us um, who may serve um, a higher proportion of students uh, with, uh, you know, needs and things of that nature, um, we really need to make sure that we are not only protecting them, but also protecting their families, protecting our staff, and the best way that we know to protect them right now um, through the advice of the medical community is to wear masks, to use the precautions of social distancing, um, the frequent hand washing, things of that nature. And so uh, we're, we're going to make sure that we prioritize the needs of our students. Right now for our youngest learners, uh, there, there isn't the ability to get vaccinated. For our school age uh, students who are in that category of students who can be vaccinated, um, we don't have the confidence and understanding right now that the majority of them are. Um, so we, we just need to operate from what we know about our community. Others might know differently uh, about their communities, and they have to make that decision. But hopefully soon uh, folks will take the opportunity to be vaccinated, to, be, to put us uh, all in a more safe and healthy environment. On that same note, though, about, you know, making the more cautious decisions, you know, Akron, as we talked about, was very cautious last year and staying remote for a long time until teachers could be vaccinated. Um, the enrollment also dropped about 500 students, you know, and obviously it's going to fluctuate slightly year to year. But um, the last several years that I could look back, I hadn't seen a drop like that. You know, and I, I know that a large part of that was kindergarten as well. So, you know, how are you looking at that issue now? How are you planning to maybe recruit students back who may have left because another district was offering an in-person option? Um, how do you approach trying to uh, address a kindergarten class, too, that may now be larger or a first grade class that may now be larger um, because of that gap from last year? Yes. And so I think the drop in enrollment was felt uh, pretty universally, um, again, having the benefit of being in another county, um, in another community. I saw that, you know, across the board uh, as uh, districts and communities grappled with uh, what was the best response. Um, we are uh, doing everything within our power right now to do outreach to our families. Uh, of Akron um, here to know the variety of options that exist for their children. We do, uh, because we're planning uh, for in-person instruction, uh, again, we're excited to welcome back uh, young people that may not have even gone last year, so the kindergartners. So we, we do have targeted outreach. We are marketing um, to make sure that we do welcome home. Uh, our students and welcome anew even our new new kindergarten uh, families and students. So we're we're working at that. So for families who do still want to stay online, can you talk a little bit about what that's going to look like this year? Because it's different than last year, and really even different in the years past when you'd offered 
students an option to be online. Yes. And so Akron actually has always been um, kind of trailblazers in making sure that it offered through its APS online um, a, a option of families to uh, connect virtually or to connect in person uh, to learning. So we will continue to offer APS online. The enhancement that we're planning is to make sure, especially in our elementary grades, that um, that offering will be what we call synchronous. It will be the ability to connect live with a teacher um, and a teacher who is dedicated solely to uh, the Akron Public School students. And so if you think of it in terms of following a schedule, uh, but doing so in a virtual environment, um, that that will be the case for families that choose that option. In the past, uh, what took place was uh, families could probably at their own choosing access a lot of the learning units and complete them. But we really believe that that social interaction between students and that uh, two-way engagement and interaction with a teacher matters a lot. And I think we saw that was part of the greatest challenge of having virtual uh, school for so many um, last year. Uh, to not have all of those sorts of interactions. So that is the enhancement that in our K-12, excuse me, in our K-5 courses, they will be doing so with a teacher using a schedule. They will still have specials available to them, things like that. So there will be PE time and other types of uh, special area classes, but they'll do so with live instruction and support. So if my child goes to an elementary school and I want them to stay online, they're not going to see an Akron Public Schools teacher, though. It's going to be all through Edmentum, correct? There, there is. Um, it will be through Edmentum for next year, but we have gone a step further with the Edmentum group. Uh, which is an education group, and made sure that they have dedicated teachers for Akron Public Schools. So the teachers that they, uh, that, you know, your student might engage with will solely be working with students from the Akron Public Schools. So in that regard, uh, we can do a lot of work with those staff uh, to make sure that they are getting a very similar experience to what the students are uh, receiving who are coming in person. Gotcha. Okay. So, but if my child, say, normally goes to Helen Arnold or Resnick, then, you know, they're still enrolled there, correct? They don't, like, lose a spot at their school? They don't lose a spot at their school. So okay. we know there are a variety of reasons why families might need to choose that. Absolutely. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, you had mentioned before, you know, uh, this idea of kids who may not be caught up. Um, you know, we've, we've heard a lot of phrases around this, like academic recovery. Some education folks have pushed back on that, and some, some have said, no, we really need to focus on it. So where do you see, you know, what, what do we know about where our kids are versus where they would be in a normal year? Um, and what's the plan to, to address those needs while also not maybe, you know, dancing in a doomsday scenario of everything's terrible, no one learned anything last year. No, and absolutely, because learning uh, did occur uh, for students. So, again, we know one of the things we know is that students um, experienced uh, the remote 
learning time differently. Um, we know that in trends, uh, when we look at broad trends of students, which we believe will line up with some of the trends that we are seeing in some of the initial data that we have, is that some of the learning, um, you know, some, some of the learning loss that needs to be recovered occurred more in the area of mathematics than actually the reading area. So nationally, we would look at some of the reports. Math is an area where persons, you know, were really planning for what other strategies might we use uh, to get uh, our students accelerated in, in their learning, to get them caught up, but yet to accelerate them where they are on grade level um, and on a positive growth trend. So we, we've done everything from things like uh, we're planning to have um, lower class sizes going into next year because we know that if students are in need of recovery, that in, they probably are in need of recovery in a personal way. What you experienced isn't what I may have experienced. And so we want our teachers to have class sizes uh, that allow them to personalize uh, that understanding and response. So each of our elementary classrooms will have 24 or less students in them. And we are also looking to make sure at our high school level, um, you know, where we are able to do so, keeping the, the class sizes as small as possible there as well. And you're using stimulus money to do that, which brings me to, I think, what may yeah. be our last question here is sure. you, have, you have a chunk of change to spend. You have yeah already received about, what, $40 million in federal stimulus funds. I know a lot of that has either been spent or designated to be spent. But this third bucket of $96 million, um, you have a few years to spend it. It's got some stipulations, but not a lot. As far as federal gifts of cash, this is a pretty free one. So how do you think about what to do with that, you know, covering holes in the budget versus, you know, a big transformative change in one area and how do you plan to seek public input about how that money should be spent? Sure. And I love that you, even within your question, uh, identified that while the, uh, the funds were allocated not in a prescriptive way, they were allocated with a, with some conceptual understanding that this is everything from operationally uh, with fiscal management, making sure any types of gaps that were experienced by the district are able to be addressed facility-wise, knowing that because of the health and safety priorities, uh, things like ensuring HVAC, uh, that the air quality in our buildings is addressed and brought up to speed, that equally those things were considered uh, when these funds and the level of fund that was allocated uh, was determined, as well as thinking about, first and foremost, the recovery of students. You know, what would it take to ensure that student learning is addressed, uh, that there are whole child supports, because, again, part of how students experience um, the uh, the virtual world of last year might have been uh, where they um, had some anxiety, things of that nature. So there's a range of whole student supports that need to be in place. So um, we did present to our board some initial thoughts about uh, topics that we would address uh, based on what we've 
uh, come to know about our needs and also opportunities, because we also want to stretch the system uh, into thinking about the future. What we will do as a part of the process, and we'll be sharing more of this with the board, is talking about how there will be opportunities for input, uh, for families to have input, for community persons to have input. In an initial way, we are posting uh, the um, topics on the website, and we're allowing for the opportunity for folks to begin to respond to uh, a few of the prompts. So when we think about input, engagement, um, I want the community to think about that in an ongoing way, that we hope to not just ask one time after an entire plan is done, but as we go along with the steps. So now we've uh, identified topics. How are folks feeling about those topics as we put more meat on the bones um, and identify some of the strategies? And we also hope to do that with a committee that is representative of our community, but then also allowing uh, time for the fuller community to give feedback on that as well. So please stay on the lookout for uh, more information about the development of our plan and um, and where it is we're pointing out uh, opportunities for input and engagement. Oh, no, it sounds like homework. I, I, I thought it was the homework assignments here. I think I hear the process outside, so it's, it is dismissal time. So remember, <laughs> there might be a quiz on this tomorrow, so everyone has to study up, but I'm not a very good student. I did not take any notes. So I so thank you, Christine and Jennifer, for joining us today. Let's make a deal that we will reconvene in the very near future to continue this discussion. Thank you. Thank you. That's all we have today for Now You Know Akron. Be sure to join us again next week. Episodes will be released every Wednesday wherever you download your favorite podcast and also available on BeaconJournal.com and all our various apps. Before we go, I'd like to thank our producer, BJ Lisko. He always makes us sound good and urge you to support local journalism by becoming a subscriber. If you've already signed up, we thank you. Until next week, now you know Akron.